Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the third part of our series, going through the book of Galatians. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Let's get into the Word this morning. You guys ready to study uh, the Word of God? So we're in a a series going through the book of Galatians, and uh, I'll explain it more as we go along. But I want to read our opening passage. So um, you guys, for the second time, I think, in in three weeks, are able to sit down during this portion. So what that means is open up your Bibles if you have it. Open up the Bible app if you have it. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 is where we are this morning. So Galatians chapter 2 Uh, This book was written by Paul. He says, Then after 14 years, I, being Paul, went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along. I went in response to a revelation. I went in response to a revelation. If you have your Bible, write that, underline that part. I went in response to a revelation. I'm going to talk about this more, but every time God reveals, there's always a response. Meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel, the good news. This series is all about the good news. Paul says, I went there to present the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek, meaning he was uncircumcised. This matter arose... Only, though, because some false believers infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. I love that line right there. The false believers infiltrated our ranks to spy. Like, where is Paul? Um, But we did not give in to them for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So I want to call our message this morning the war on freedom. The war on freedom. On freedom, the war on freedom. Uh, now, uh, first of all, I guess welcome everyone. So glad you could be here. Uh, if you do not know, my name is Harrison. Just so glad you could be here. To our online community, love you guys as well. Uh, as I said, we're in a series going through the book of Galatians, and we're continuing that series. And I want to talk about, as our title suggests, I want to talk about the war on freedom. I believe that there is a war being waged on our freedom. Now, maybe you're here today, you're saying, finally, pastor's talking about this. <laughs> finally! I'm not talking about that kind of war or that kind of freedom. Um, I'm actually talking about a war on freedom that I think is much more serious than any place your mind may have gone. Um, I believe that there is a war that is being waged on the freedom that we have that is found in Christ Jesus. And it is a war that we will fight for literally the rest of our lives. Now, for a lot of us, you're like, Harrison, like, that seems kind of intense, like, war, battle, fight, like, what kind of language uh, is that? Like, is there actually a war on freedom? Now, truth be told, I want us to understand, when you read the Bible, when you read the New Testament, when we read the words of Paul talking about infiltration and, and ranks and spies, this is the language of the New Testament, not just here. There is this idea that we are in a battle, we are in a fight. I remember um, a number of years ago, I went to a conference, and there's a pastor, a speaker, his name is Mark Clark, some of you guys probably heard of him before, one person, um, and uh, he, told, he told a story, I thought it was so funny, but he talked about how he was an atheist, and he became a Christian um, literally just by reading the Bible. And so he said he read the Bible, and then eventually he realized like he should join a church, but he had only read the Bible. And so he said, when I came to church, he was, I was expecting the church to be like what I read in the Bible. 
And so it's like, I went to church and I thought there's going to be like, like the hardest people, like a war zone, uh, freedom fighters in Christ, all of these things. It's like, I went to the front door and I saw pink drapes everywhere. He's like, I saw doves on the screen. And he's like, I don't know what this is. Because for him, who had only read the Bible, who had only read the New Testament, he thought he was entering into a battle. He thought he was going into a war zone. And so he was like, what are these drapes? What are these doves? And um, it's, it's funnier when he tells the story. It's always funnier when people tell their own stories. Um, <laughs> I'll stick to mine from now on. <laughs> but I want us to understand, and this is really important because maybe your, 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 your mind has never gone in that direction of battle or war. A lot of times we talk about our walk with God. And we, we do have a walk with God, but I think that we need to understand our walk with God, as much as it's a walk, it's a battle. And it's a war. And I think that we should probably take seriously the world, words of Jesus. Um, we, in this series, have talked about the good news. Gospel means good news, and literally through Jesus, there is the best news. And I believe it in faith that the words of Jesus, that what he has done for us is true. But what we need to understand is that if we believe parts of Jesus, we need to believe all of Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus believed in was the devil and an enemy. We have an enemy. John chapter 10, this is Jesus speaking himself. He says, the thief talking about Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have it to the abundance. So, so listen, in this series, I, I want us to understand that the gospel is so good. This idea that is literally all Jesus. He has done all of the hard work. He's done all of the heavy lifting. But what I also want us to understand is that there is an enemy that is literally trying to take away that freedom that is found in Jesus. There's a principle. I'm going to explain it today. We need to understand it. For everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. That's just what he does. God is a creator. Satan is a counterfeiter. Every good thing that God does, Satan tries to seek, kill, and destroy. You can literally go through the whole thing. When God creates this paradise, Eden, Satan is bent on destroying it. God creates humanity. Satan wants to destroy it. God creates this beautiful thing called marriage. Satan wants to destroy it. He wants to counterfeit it. We get the gospel, the good news, so we should not be surprised that the very first thing Satan wants to do is create a false gospel fake good news. And so with all that understood, we can, I said it, I said the gospel is so good news, but the gospel is fragile. And what is fragile about it is our hearts and, 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 and the ability we have to believe it, to live in it. And for many of us, it's actually our ability to fight, to fight the enemy. So I kind of just have um, a, a thesis for this morning when it comes to this fight, because some of us like, I don't think I'm in a battle. Like I, don't, I don't really feel like I'm fighting against the devil. Um, you can write this down. It's super simple. If you're not fighting, you're not free. I'm, I'm going to say it again. If you're not fighting, you're not free. You are either dead set in the middle of a battle or you are not free. Now, when, when I use the word battle or war and, and all that kind of stuff, maybe you're like, well, doesn't seem like I'm fighting, like I've never put the devil in a chokehold, like what, what does it mean? Um, this fight is different than perhaps how we regular, regularly think about fights, and it's different in the sense that Jesus has already actually won. Like he's won the battle. On the cross, he literally disarmed the devil. Christus victor, Christ is victorious. 
So our job and our role in the battle is not like, I don't need to like get ready to like get my tights on and get ready to fight. Our battle and our war is literally just to believe that Jesus has won. That is what our battle is. That is what our war is. And it sounds minuscule, but really what we have said is that the book of Galatians, taken as a whole, it is really a book that is for our defense to help us defend the good news, the purity of the message of Jesus. And so today, we're going to go on the defense a little bit. Can we do that a little bit? Because the, the enemy is like a roaring lion. He's ready to rip you apart. I have a men's Bible study, and in the group text every Monday night, I get a few texts from guys, and they say, um, I'm really tired tonight. And I always respond back, I hope you have a good night because the devil doesn't sleep. <laughs> Guilt and shame don't really work um, <laughs> in terms of getting them to come to Bible study. But I got to let them know the devil doesn't sleep, so I don't care how tired you are. And I want us to understand he doesn't sleep. And one thing we're going to see is that the devil doesn't play fair. You guys have heard the saying that um, all is fair in love and war? Heard that one before, a few people? Right, so the devil's at war. He doesn't care what's fair. And so what that means is he doesn't care if you're tired. He doesn't care if you meant well. So we're going to fight this morning. You guys ready to fight? All right, let's do it. So uh, real quick context in case you have not been with us in this series. Um, last week in Galatians chapter 1, Paul talked a whole lot about this idea that the gospel that he got was directly from Jesus. You guys remember that? He's like, no one gave it to me. I wasn't taught by the disciples. I wasn't taught by the apostles. It was given to me by Jesus. Kind of this, this lone wolf. I don't need nobody. Galatians chapter 2, as we start, it's a little bit of a switch up, but I'm going to explain it. So Galatians 2 verse 1 again, he says, after 14 years, I then went up to Jerusalem. So again, lone wolf by myself, after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, I took Titus along also, I went, this is important, the reason I went was in response to a revelation. We'll read the rest of the verse in a second, but I really want to hone in here. The reason that I went, he says, was in a response to the revelation that I got. I said it at the start, I'll say it again. Every single time God reveals something to us, we have one job and one job only. It is just to respond. God judges us based on one thing and one thing only. Are we faithful? Have we been faithful to his voice? Have we been faithful to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, if you do not know, is literally the voice of God that speaks to us, that encourages us, corrects us, rebukes us if he has to. And so our lives is literally judged. Have we responded to the revelation that has been given to us? This idea of the gospel being so good, it's a revelation. It's, 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 a, it's a message. Listen, it is a message of good news. And so all we have to do to the revelation of the gospel is to respond. All God calls us to do, there's one thing and one thing only God calls us to do. It is to respond to revelation. It's as simple as that. Now, what I want us to understand when it comes to the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works is that many times, and there's the gospel, there's the good news, but sometimes the Spirit is going to lead us and reveal to us things that we may not want to do right away. What's interesting about Galatians chapter 1 is that Paul goes so hard out of his way to say, hey, I barely even know Peter. I don't even know John, James. It was just, it was just like I'm a lone wolf. And so what happens in Galatians chapter 2 is that Paul gets a word from the Lord 
And he's like, hey, lone wolf, uh, I need you to now go to Peter, to James, to John. I need you to go to the church in Jerusalem. And I have to think, because last week we talked a little bit about this idea of pride, that Paul probably had some pride inside of him. I have to believe this revelation, there was a part of Paul that said, man, why do I need them? Why do I need to go there? My ministry's going well to the Gentiles. Like We're just crushing it. People are coming to see Jesus. But God is revealing something to Paul. And what I want us to understand, this is important, whatever God reveals to us, is for one thing and one reason only. It is always for our freedom. The reason God reveals stuff to us is for our freedom. What's hard for us is the thing that God knows will set us free won't often feel like freedom for us. I'll let you guys know, because you're saying like, well, what does it mean like Holy Spirit speaking? Like, what does that actually look like? Like, you're hearing voices. Um, One thing I can almost guarantee the Holy Spirit's probably convicted you in your life is um, a little thing called forgiveness. You guys have heard of forgiveness? We said last week God is in the business of redemption. Not just personal redemption, but God wants to restore relationships. God wants to restore families, all of these things. And so what that means is there's going to be times where the Holy Spirit is going to say, hey, guess what? You need to forgive. How many guys just absolutely love forgiving people? Right? And so oftentimes God will reveal but. Second question, how many guys have ever felt that nudge like I'm supposed to forgive someone? And so what we're supposed to do in those moments when we get that revelation is we're supposed to respond. And the response is supposed to elicit in some way, in some shape, freedom. Freedom for us. I say it all the time because we're going to talk about forgiveness in a little bit. But one of the reasons that we do not forgive is because we believe that unforgiveness helps us. Right? Like, I'm going to hold on to this. They're going to know how angry I am. They're going to know how much they hurt me. But what we always say is that unforgiveness is a poison that you drink hoping the other person dies. And so what that means is you harbor these feelings and it actually slowly begins to kill you because it builds resentments and you're not able to actually have healthy relationships at all. And so when God is calling and urging us to forgive, it is with freedom in mind. Flip it around because you guys all aren't great people. Um, Sometimes God will call you to apologize, which is probably equally as hard (laughs) as forgiven, because you have to admit that you're wrong. But again, God's in the business of redemption. And so what happens, what I want to say is that, what I want to say with this is that our job is to respond to the revelation that we have. And what we're going to see here is the reason that God sent Peter or Paul to the church in Jerusalem was not just for personal freedom, but it was actually for the freedom of the church at whole. In other words, Paul had to go here, not just that the church then would be free, but the church throughout history would be free. I'll explain. So, again, he says, I went um, meeting privately. I responded to Revelation. I met with those esteemed leaders. Again, Peter, James, John. And I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So I'll preface by saying, if you have not checked out the first two parts of this message, go back and watch them. Because we really broke down this idea, what, what is Paul's message? In short, it's this idea that Jesus has rescued us from our sins. That Jesus has made a way where there was no way. Where Jesus has taken broken things and brought them back to life. And at the very end of the day, the gospel is so simple. It is Jesus plus nothing. That's it. It's Jesus plus nothing. 
And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, I went and presented to them that. I went to present that gospel. And I wanted to make sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. So when you read that, the language, it kind of sounds at a face value like Paul wanted to make sure that what he was saying was correct. At face value, that's what it sounds like he's saying. That's not what he's saying. And if you know Paul from Galatians chapter 1, it's definitely not what he's saying. Paul was convinced that his message was the message. So Paul was not looking for endorsement. Paul believes that God had sent him there for alignment. And what I mean by that is this. He was saying, I know solid my message. Peter, James, John, I want to make sure you guys have the proper message, which is gangster in of itself because they rolled with Jesus. Paul didn't. But Paul was so confident, he's like, I know you guys were with Jesus, but I want to make sure that our message is the same. Because you need to understand, there is not two Gospels. There's not two versions of the good news. There is one version and one version only, and it is Jesus plus nothing. And so God, the reason that Paul was sent to Jerusalem was to make sure that the whole church was unified. Why? Because everything that God creates, Satan counterfeits. And all the good things and the best things, the devil wants to tear down. You need to understand this. One of the best things that, the, 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 that Jesus has created and given us is the church. If you do not know this, the church is the hope of the world. We are the messengers literally sent to proclaim the good news of Jesus. We are his tool. We are his instrument. And so Paul as he's going in response to God, God needs to make sure that the church is united, that there is one message. And what we find out is that they were united. The message of Peter and James and John was no different than the message of Paul. And so what I want us to understand, and this is important, is that the beauty of God is that his message understood does not divide, it unifies. The gospel always unifies. It brings us together. And the reason that we need to be in unity is because our greatest weapon against the devil is community. Yeah. So here's the first thing I want us to understand. Because we're, we're at war here, right? The war is won in community. You can write it down. The war is won in community. And, and maybe you've never seen this before, but our word community is, is literally calm unity. The whole idea of community is that we're in unity. And what unifies us as Christians is the message of Jesus. And so in, in this moment, and really Galatians chapter 2 at a whole is all about the unity of the gospel. Because Paul's about to, like, you guys think it's been intense so far, you don't even know what's coming in chapters 3, 4, 5. But Paul, before he puts all these guys on blast, he wants everyone to know, listen, the community, all of us, the esteemed leaders, we're in agreement. We had the same message. It's not different. It doesn't change in Galatia as it is in Jerusalem. It's one message. And so what I want us to understand is that God's biggest tool that he gives us is community to fight against the devil. Church is his idea. Church is God's idea. So I think there's a popular thing, and maybe you guys have heard it, but it's like, you know what? Like, I love Jesus. I just, I'm not a huge fan of church. Anyone heard that? Yeah. Or like, I love Jesus. I don't do organized religion. And um, can you guys write something down? It's going to be helpful in your life. Um, not everything that sounds good is good. Because some of that stuff sounds so good. Like, yeah, whew, organizations, 
churches, buildings. Let's just have Jesus. Um, guess what? It's nonsense. And I'll tell you why. Because humanity did not create the church. Jesus created the church. It was his idea. And it was his plan. And I believe that perhaps the way in which God feels about the church is most clearly given to us in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Paul talks about marriage. And he says, husbands, love your wives. And he wants them to have a level of depth that like, goes as deep as he could possibly think. So I can almost imagine as he's racking his brain, he says, husbands, love your wives, love your wives, love your wives, um, um, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So if you want to know what Jesus feels about church, he literally died for the church. The church is his idea. The church is his bride. And so you cannot say, I love Jesus, but I don't love church. Because they're one and the same. The church is his bride. You come to my house, you're like, Harrison, I really like you. I don't love Christ. I'll say, sweet, the door's that way. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> come on, somebody. Jesus loves the church. And it's his plan, but it's also a gift to us. Because how we fight against the devil is through unity. And the unity that we need is found in community. And at the very end of the day, the devil doesn't fight fair. And you need to know this. If you do not know this, you are most weakest alone. You are most susceptible to negative thinking by yourself. You are most susceptible to go into deep, dark bouts of anxiety, depression by yourself. And the devil doesn't care. The devil doesn't care. Well, Harrison, where do I find community? I don't, I don't have any friends, church. You know, I was... Um, just kind of illustrating this week, I was, I was feeling just kind of anxious with some stuff and just kind of overwhelmed and, uh, with the church building and, and all the decisions and stuff that had to be made, a lot of stuff falling on my shoulder, and I was kind of just tripping out, um, doing all that and trying to still be a pastor and a contractor at the same time. It's a fun gig. Um, and I was, just, I was just feeling really overwhelmed, and I was, I was by myself. And when you're by yourself, like, you kind of just have those voices, right? You guys have been there? That negative stuff. And um, so what I did, and, and it was a good thing, and I'm toot my own horn, um, is I just, I, I texted Pastor Brett. You guys know Pastor Brett? He's one of the oversight elders here at church. He was here a few weeks ago, one of my good friends. And um, I literally was just like, hey, I need you. Um, can you. Can you meet me at the church in like two hours? And he's like, yeah, I'll be there. Like no set plans. I was just like, I need you to just meet me. And he just met me there and we just talked. And if you've ever met Brett or talked to him, he's just all vision all the time. And there's not a word of negativity that comes out of his mouth. And so I'm talking to him, he's speaking vision to me, speaking vision over our church. And all of a sudden, all that I was feeling dissipated. It went away and anxiety turned to vision. Why? Because of community. Because I wasn't doing it by myself. Because there's times like, sure, talk yourself out of it. Get in the word and listen to music. That's good. All that stuff is good. But there's times where you literally just need people. You need someone to get you out of it. And that is why God has created the church as his body. And not just this church, but the body of Christ at whole. We're there for each other. Listen, one of the reasons that this season has been so hard and so, in, in many cases, terrible, it's the, it's the two-year anniversary, I think, of COVID. Right? Hallelujah. Ain't no party like a COVID party. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that this season has brought out the worst, and maybe it's an overstatement, but I think it's brought out the worst in people, is because there's a large fraction of people that have literally just been alone. They've been isolated. They've been by themselves. And when you're alone, 
when you're by yourself, when you have no community, anxiety, depression, anger, rage, sadness, these things are all amplified. And I think there's been so many people that have gone through the last two years or at least a year and a half by themselves trying to go through it, and it's literally brought out the worst in people. Because one of the things that community does is that community gives us perspective. I've told so many people, it has been my privilege to pastor during this season is because um, for me, what God has given me is the gift of perspective. To be a part of a church where, maybe you guys don't know this, um, I might blow your minds, you guys don't all think the same. It's crazy, right? And so what has been a blessing to me is that through all the hard things in this season, this two-year extended season, is that I've had the gift of perspective. And I've seen people that I disagree with and that disagree with me and maybe think different than me. And the truth is this. When you're by yourself and you do not have perspective, you can very easily begin to categorize people by concepts instead of people. But it is a whole lot harder to see people as concepts when you're actually in interactions with people. So what I mean by that is that I can really easily say something like, you know what, I hate right-wing people. I hate left-wing people. I hate vaccinated people. I hate unvaccinated people. I hate unmasked, masked, I hate them. It's really easy to say those things when you're not in the contact or in any community with people that are like that. I can really easily post on Facebook who I hate. It's a whole lot harder to say it face-to-face. And truth is, when you come face to face, what you'll realize is that, wow, what unites us is so much greater than what divides us. We're still people. But there's been two years of people at home categorizing people by comments on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And then we no longer see people as people. And you need to understand, when you do not see people as people, then you are now living in the devil's playground. Because when I can make people concepts, I can think all sorts of terrible things about them. I'll say it like this. I can think demonic things about them. If it's ever crossed your mind, I hate whatever ideology is different than me. I don't need to list them again. But if that thought has crossed your mind, I'll tell you in the name of Jesus, that's a demonic thought. Because there is no hate in the kingdom of heaven. As believers, there is no one that you are called to hate. As a church, and I think the beauty, and maybe you guys have been there, to be in community has given us perspective. And if you feel like in some way you've been losing perspective, I want to encourage you, plug into community. And like, yes, coming to church is really good, and it's great to sit by each other and see each other. But what I really mean is have people that know your name. Get connected to a group of people. We have a ton of different crews. Maybe you see someone in the lobby, just say, hey, can we go for coffee? Because I just, I need, I need some perspective in my life. I want us to understand and why this and how this relates. So Galatians 2 verse 1, um, Paul says, After 14 years, I went to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I also took Titus along. This is important. We learn in verse uh, 3 or 4 that Titus was a Greek. And so what that means is Titus was not circumcised. And so Paul literally brought Titus for one reason and one reason only. He brought him just in case he got there and Peter and James and John didn't agree with his gospel. Because the the false gospel was this idea that it was like Jesus, but I also keep the Jewish law. 
And a part of the Jewish law was circumcision. And so, literally, Paul brings Titus along because you need to understand there was actually hatred for uncircumcised people. There was this belief that they were less than, not of God. And so Paul literally brings Titus just in case. They're like, hey, no uncircumcised people here. And the reason he brings Titus is because he knows that Titus is a man of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of all the fruits of the Spirit. And so literally Paul was going to say, if you think that you can't be a believer and be uncircumcised, let's talk about Titus. That's why he was there. Now again, he's like, well, it was all good because... They didn't tell him to be circumcised. We had the same message. But Paul, had, he had his backup ready to go. Because, listen to this, it is so easy to demonize people when we remove faces from people. And we look at them as concepts. And if you've been looking at people as concepts, ideologies, in the name of Jesus, I encourage you to stop. Because what a church is, is a church is a community united, literally with our differences, under the thing and the person that unifies us, that being Jesus. And so what that means is as a church, we want to be, we are called to be radically diverse. What that means is we're not a young church. We're not an old church. We're not a black church. We're not a white church. We're not a contemporary church. We're not a old school church. Traditional. It's a better word. <laughs> We're none of those things. We are a united church where our differences do not divide, divide us, but they actually give us literally the flavor of life. That we come to this place and I see people that look different than me, that are older than me, that are younger than me, that are different places of their lives than I am. And together we come together under the banner of Jesus. And guess what? We become a message to the rest of the world. Because we live in a polarizing world that says we need to be divided by race, by ideologies, by gender, by political spectrums. And I don't hang out with those people and you don't talk to those people. But the church, we come in and we break those bonds. We break those barriers and we come in and say, hey, what unites us is so much greater than what divides us. That's what the good news is. And the truth is distance always causes distortion. The farther I am away from someone, the easier I can villainize them. The church, and listen to this, community exists for our freedom. Maybe you don't know this, but if there are people that you hate, ideologies you can't stand, you're not free. You're a slave to those thoughts. You're a slave to those feelings. You're a slave to hate. Community exists for freedom. And so Paul, again, he says, um, when we were there, he says, Titus, who was with me, he wasn't compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. In other words, we were solid. The boys were good. He said, really, though, the matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and make us slaves. So what he's saying, literally, he got there, Paul, Peter, James, like, or James, Peter, Paul, are like, yeah, man, we're all on the same page. We're good. We're chilling. No one even brought up circumcision because they believed the same gospel. It was one message, one gospel. He says the matter really only even arose when all of a sudden these, if you have a Bible, underline them, false believers. False believers infiltrated our ranks <laughs> to spy on us. I, love, I just love that language. It's so funny. <laughs> and so this is really important. 
And I want us to understand it because our main, one of our main weapons to fight against the enemy is community. We understand that? And is the church community. But as I said, everything God creates, the devil counterfeits. And the devil doesn't fight fair. And so how do you think the devil will try to destroy one of God's greatest weapons? Flip it upside down. So if community and the church is what God wants to use to liberate us, to free us, to give us hope, all these things, what's the devil going to use? He's going to use people in the church. False believers. You can write this. I need community, but the devil will also use community to hurt me. Here's the thing, and you guys know this to be true. The greatest pain we will ever experience will always come from those that we thought were there for our greatest good. That means no one can hurt you like someone that you love. No one can hurt you like a spouse. That means watch your words. The greatest pain is always from those who are there for our greatest good. And I just, I know today in some sense, there are people in this room and you have been hurt literally in the name of Jesus. You have been hurt by people that have bore the name of Jesus. You've been hurt by church people. And so you hear this message like, man, hope is found in community. But Harrison, I've been hurt by community. So what do I do? Well, number one, understand the devil's a schemer. He's a liar. He doesn't fight fair. But the tool that God has for us still exists. And so what that means is what we need to do is so simple. We've got to take our power back. And the biggest weapon to fight back is just simply this. It's learning to forgive people. We need to learn to forgive people. The only way we can move forward is if we learn to forgive people. And we need to understand it is for our freedom. It's for our freedom. If we do not learn to forgive people, specifically people that bear the name of Jesus, we'll never be free. Because we'll never be able to plug into the very thing that God has given us in order that we can fight the devil. So listen, two cents, twofold. Like, be prepared. The longer you're in church, I can guarantee you someone's going to hurt you here. And, and being prepared doesn't help. The pain. Right? You can know you're going to get punched in the face. It's still going to hurt. <laughs> it's like, well, at least I was ready for it. <laughs> it's still going to hurt, and it's going to happen. Listen, the more you plug in, it's going to happen. Can I just ask us, the people that have hurt you the most in your life, has it been your family or closest friends? Just put your hand up. How many people in this room, the deepest pain you've ever experienced is from someone you don't know? No one. Not a single person. Pain will always be from those that were supposed to be the greatest good in our lives. But the solution is not to disconnect. It's not to cut off. It's not to give up. It's to forgive. It's to lean in even the more so. One thing I always say is that the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible can give us a picture into what the church is supposed to look like, the goodness of it, but it also pulls back the curtains of the bad. So I talk about the goodness of community. I want you to understand the bad can exist. And the Bible does not, is not shy about it. But here's the issue, another issue, um, is that most people don't read the Bible. So they don't actually know what biblical community should look like. But if you read the Bible, like one thing I was saying to our guys, um, in the book of Timothy, it gives qualifications for an elder, for a pastor. 
and it says they must be of one wife. In other words, they can't have an affair. Now, the Bible only puts that in there because there's an assumption that at some point there's going to be a pastor that has an affair. Now, by the grace of Jesus, never happens in this house. Pray, believe. Um, but for a lot of people, and, and the hurt and the pain is real, when a leader or a pastor, and in Canada this last week, a, a major pastor had a big fall. And it's tragic and it's sad, but it is not unexpected and is not out of the blue and it is not against the word of God. In the same sense, when people hurt us, it is not unexpected, it is not out of the blue and is not against the word of God. And so Jesus gives us the tools to fight back and that is literally to forgive, to forgive. And if you're in this room this morning and there is someone that you need to forgive, today is the day. This is the moment. And I want you to understand, I see your pain. I acknowledge your pain. I acknowledge what you went through. And if someone used Jesus to hurt you, that was wrong. And that was not correct. But I want to encourage you, in order for you to be free, your freedom is found on the other side of forgiveness. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul says, again, they want him to be circumcised. Kind of sucks for Titus, right, just sitting there. <laughs> He's like, I'm not taking my pants off. But he says, we did not give in to them for a moment. Why? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Listen to this. The reason the devil wants to knock you off and wants to get you out is because there's breath in your lungs. Whenever there's breath in your lungs, there's hope and there's purpose. And I just believe that God has such a plan for your life. There's such a calling on your life. And what he wants to do is he wants to throw you off. He wants you to give up. He wants you to quit. He wants you to never open your mouth and praise Jesus again. But I want to encourage you today in the words of Paul, do not give in for a moment. Not for a second. Forgive today, not for a moment. Don't give up. In this, in this, this situation in the Bible, literally, he's saying the gospel was at stake. The good news of Jesus was at stake, so we did not give in for a moment because we have a mission. We have a purpose. Listen to this. You have a mission. You have a purpose. God has a calling on your life. There is someone that God has earmarked for you that only you can speak to, and the only thing that can stop you is you. And the devil will do everything in his power. But Paul says we didn't give in for a moment not for a second. And I'm going to kind of skim a few verses. I don't even have the slides up there, but Paul just says what we realized. This is verse 8. He says, God was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised and at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, John, the esteemed pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. They recognized the grace given to me and they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they would go to the Jews. And all, of the, all the while, that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I've been eager to do all along. So the reason I want to read that is just to show us at the very end of it, at the end of this meeting, what the fruit was. The fruit was unity. One message, one gospel, one church. And what you need to understand is that the fruit of unity is always that the gospel, the good news will go forward. 
The fruit of unity is always freedom. And so if you are here today and you do not feel like you're free, I want to encourage you, lean into community, lean into people, get connected. We're here for a reason. God has lifted us up in this season to be there for each other. So do not despise another, do not go forth another day despising community, but realize it's the very thing that God has given us for life. Let's, let's just stand for a second, church. I'm gonna wrap up. I just feel the whole purpose of this message was for freedom. And maybe it was for one person, maybe a couple people, but I just truly want us to move forward. And I just think that this time, and um, COVID's over, obviously, as we all know, uh, but life's not getting any easier. It's just going to be more and, and more and more. And there's going to be more stress, more anxiety, more hurt, more heartache. And you just don't need to go through it by yourself. And I just want everyone to know, every person online, especially those online, maybe you haven't been here in a long time. You need people. We need each other. And we exist for that. We exist for this. And so I'm just going to pray. And my prayer is that God will just open up our hearts. And if there's just a word that God has for us, maybe people that we need to connect with or a group, or maybe it's a connect card. I don't know what it is, but... I just want God to impress that on us right now in this moment, what we need to fight this battle. So Jesus, I just pray right now that your spirit just speaks to us in this place, in this room. Um, I just thank you for your word, God. I just thank you for a church that is unified. I thank you for the unity that exists here at Kingdom Church and just for the blessing that all the people, all of us are here in this place, God. And I pray for those of us that feel like we're on the outskirts, those of us that feel unseen, unheard, unknown, those of us that feel like when we are in those hard times, I don't have a single number to call. Jesus, I pray today, right now, that you're just impressing our spirit the step that we need to take. Just the people that we need to speak to, God, just speak to our hearts. Jesus, I just thank you for your message, for your, for your gospel, for your goodness, and just for what you're doing. Um, we love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's clap our hands. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to find out more about our church, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.